You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Hello and welcome to issue 548 of Geek in the City of Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani. And I'm, are... I'm not a host. I'm a guest. You are. I was about to say, we're joined by <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Greg Rucka. How's it going? Uh, you know, uh, good with an asterisk. It's like our entire life is buried. It's Fox. exactly it. it's record a... now. I was I was talking to um, I was talking to my friend Oz Donald this afternoon. And, and, you know, there was the determination. And Oz is in New York, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. his, his uh, quarantine has been uh, extraordinarily fraught in a lot of ways because his employer has had him, he's had to go into the city on a couple of occasions to work. Right. Um, but we determined that, yeah, I mean, where we are right now, it's either good with an asterisk or it's bad with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But there's always the, the, the footnote for uh, for 2020 and, and 2021 and maybe 2022 is going to be a global pandemic, 100 million dead, you know, so. Yeah, it's not going to be. The, I think the best is when someone just says enduring, you know. That's, yeah. Um, riding it out as best we can. It's got to be hard for us because he used to jog through Central Park almost daily, didn't like was, Wasn't that part of his routine? Yeah. Oof. He's been doing, and we were actually talking about um, how difficult it has been to go running, um, and had the whole side discuss, side digression about how do you run with a mask? You know, what's an appropriate facial covering for running? I can barely right. unload the groceries from my car with a mask on. I find, I mean, I've been walking. That's 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 my regular exercise. So I will venture out in the world every day and I will walk, you know, four miles or so and I'll have my mask with me or I'll have my shemag and I'll keep it down for the most part because where I am in Portland, people are really good about keeping distance 
and you know people are coming down the sidewalk there's always the eye contact and it's like i will wait for you or i will step off to a side or you know so i i mostly use it when i know i'm going to be interacting you know like i i had to do some shopping today and i had a mask with me and and you know it went on before you know as i got ready to go into the store before i was even in line i put it on right um but yeah, I mean, and for those of us who wear glasses, you also get the fog effect where you're sitting there trying to figure <laughs> out how fun. to wear this. Yeah. Apparently, there's a trick with shaving cream. Apparently, uh, apparently, there's a, a, a... On your lenses? Yeah. No, I don't do that. You're just rubbing soap on your lenses. Then you're, gonna, you're, have, you're putting filmy crap on your lenses, which is actually going to make it harder for you to see clearly. But my um, understanding is that's what, that's like a surgical tip. Like, hmm. so, yeah. Um, if you use dedicated lens cleaner, uh, it tends to have properties in it that yeah, help prevent fog. And yeah. what I, like, I'll tell you what, I never have a fogging issue. Once I put my, take my glasses off, I put my mask on and then I kind of like tamp the, yeah. the top edge down with my glasses. Exactly. And that, kinda, if yeah. you, if you place the bridge, I love how that, this is for everybody who's wearing glasses. And I see we have a few of you. And there's a few uh, of us. Yeah, it's a nerdy it, show. Nerds. I discovered, yeah, you, if you put it over the bridge of the nose, if you leave it so that the mask that the mask can vent to your lenses, then it fogs. Um, yeah. But, yeah, if you seal it, it's, it's been fine. Yeah, so, yes, running. Anyway, uh, what were we going to say? I don't remember now. Yeah, okay, so uh, good with an asterisk. Yes. 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 Things are doing just fine. Yes, asterisk. Um, so. And obelisk. But, and obelisk. Right. Um. <laughs> it's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's There's like no hiding. There's like no hiding anymore. Um. So I don't think anyone here has had to been able to like, you know, publicly congratulate you about the, the old guard stuff, drop it on Netflix. I mean, everybody yeah. was coming, but posters and trailers and all that jazz. Poster hasn't been released yet, has it? I think they did. Yeah, I saw that, Kevin. Um, and it was actually very sad. Um, I'm just reacting to the chat. Um, I don't think the poster has dropped yet. I think the poster, I know the trailer is next week. Huh. In fact, I believe, in fact, I believe, and I'll probably get in trouble, you know, Netflix will send assassins after me, but I believe the trailer drops a week from tomorrow. Um, and I have seen, um, the one sheet and they've done a series of character posters. Um, and I'm not sure when those will be released. I, yeah, okay. I could have swore I saw it on Twitter somewhere, but I could be completely mistaken. Right. There's, a, there's, a, there's a teaser trailer. Out. Right. Yeah, they've done like a little a little bit of the sociogram wall, which Maybe is cool. I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, I mean, it's, it, I, it, it's weird. You know, I'm doing press tomorrow. Um, I'm supposed to do an interview that, you know, Netflix PR is set up and um, it's just weird right now in that sense, because 
I've been living with it now for so long. Right. And, and with this cut, you know, the lock, the cut locked several weeks ago. So any changes they're making to it are like, you know, literally like we could tighten this bolt a little more, but there aren't going to be any significant changes to the film. Right. Um, uh, so it's it's mostly now crossing fingers and hoping that um, it'll do well. Is this something that before the COVID it was going to get like a little limited theatrical or was it? No, I don't think so. There had been discussion about it, but yeah. Netflix, you know, Netflix is a streaming business. Sure. Um, the only reason I think they would have put it in a theater is if they had felt it, it would have given it a publicity boost. And... And I'm not sure it frankly needs one because it's got Charlize. Right. Yeah. And she is Charlize and she's <laughs> Charlizing. And, and right. you know, and then you look at the rest of that cast. It's funny because <clears throat> and, and I discovered this with Stumptown, right? The 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 media division folks for these things um monitor like all social media and you know all localization. So the Vanity Fair preview dropped, right? And that was an exclusive. And then it got picked up. And within 24 hours of that, there was an email saying, you know, uh, these are all the places that have commented or reprinted or so on. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Hmm. Um, thank you, Norm. We're waiting to see if it actually is. We'll know if it gets a season two uh, for Stumptown. Oh, why did uh, I think that was already confirmed? No, ABC hasn't announced their lineup yet. So, mm, okay. and, and that's because ABC is Disney and Disney is hemorrhaging money. Yes. Uh, they, uh, unlike unlike everybody else in that business who are like, well, our models aren't contingent on cruise ships. Oops. And theme parks. Theme parks. Uh-oh. Yep. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully they will. I think we, we will know by, um, uh, when did they announce that? Is that like new Kevin? <laughs> Kevin's in the know. I was going to say, um, because they haven't told me. I thought that, that, I thought that that was already starting to change because of the film Roma. Oh, we were talking about for the pre previous, but they did that because it was an award season thing. Right. Right. And th there was supposed to be a premiere. Um, but uh, for obvious reasons, there won't be. Right. So, uh, and I just double checked as of today. Yeah. That ABC hasn't announced any show like at all. So mm. except for shows that are, were guaranteed multiple seasons, like last season or whatever. Right. But, I mean, yeah, from, I know even from like Disney's own admission and who knows how much they're padding their numbers, they're losing between 10 and $13 million a day. Yeah. Like it's just crazy money. More money than most of us will see in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I f struggle to feel bad about that. I don't know. It's a whole mixed thing with it, it, Disney. It, it's, it's more of an issue. The, 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 underlying, the underlying problems, you know, are, 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 are what they are being. But at least with Disney, you can look at that apparatus and you can be like, they employ tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that, that loss is, is 
it can grow to be really problematic right. um, if they can't recover the income or insulate against it in some way, in a way that, you know, you look at Bezos, for instance, and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, just give everybody PPE. Yeah. You know, don't, why, why are you being a prick about this? Right. Um, I mean, like, again, they're a massive company, but, you know, Disney's still covering health insurance for all their furloughed you know, they're, they're still doing that, which can't be cheap. Um, and then there's this whole, I remember this article resurfaced again a few weeks ago. They talked about um, how after, after 9-11, Disney World and Disneyland are the only civilian no-fly zones in the country because yeah. of the psychological impact of something happening to either of those parks to the country. And... That's a weird thing to think about how a corporation can have a psychological impact if it were to ever fail. But I mean, there's, there is something to that, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's weird. Whereas Amazon could fail and I don't give a fuck (laughs) or Bezos could fail. Did we just go back to the way we used to be? More to the point. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, Jen and I were talking about this today too and talking about the fact that we have seen a shift and apparently she was reading somewhere that there is like, there, there has been a noticeable trend since the self-isolations began moving away from Amazon for people like people Good. not actively seeking community options where they can, yeah. um, that, that even given the quote unquote convenience of Amazon and that whether or not it is a combination of going, uh, that business model is effed up. Or it's people going, I want to support my community. community. Mm-hmm. I know for or myself, a com- it's or a, combina- or a combination yeah. thereof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing a lot of posts of people saying like, go on, if you look on Amazon for a product, find the company that makes it. Go to their website. They will have other shipping and purchasing options. Mm-hmm. And that way right. Amazon doesn't take their 20 to 25% cut for literally just being the middleman on it. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, I mean, same thing for uh, all of the, the big box stores. Uh, I've finally decided to stop punishing myself and replace the Bluetooth headphones I lost a few months ago. Um, they were only 30 bucks and I got them at Target, but everyone's mad at Target right now. So I looked up the brand online and ended up buying directly from that manufacturer. And uh, I actually saved about the same amount of money. Yeah. So like Target is not actually providing me a value add there. Um, they're, uh, now I know that the manufacturer is getting more of the money for the same product. Yeah. It's, it's, it is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, uh, and, and I suppose it's, it sounds kind of odd to say, um, especially when you realize it sounds kind of like having given up drinking or something like that. It's like, yeah, I, I don't think I've ordered anything from Amazon in six weeks. I've, I've at least gone two and a half months now. Yeah. Um, um, and, and one has to wonder what that's going to look like to them. I don't know because I know their stocks are just skyrocketing right now, or maybe it's because it's perceived well, to be the only but game. Again, in town. But again, but, but you can't see, and it, it, so so what? I mean, no, I know the, the, what, what all a stock is is in, is a measure of the perceived value of the company. Well, when you are in a quarantine, the largest mail order service in the universe is 
going to see its stocks go up in the same way that, you know, uh, 3M is going to see their stocks go up because people need PPE. And Clorox is going to see their stocks go up because they sell uh, a, 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 a brand Lysol alternative effectively, right? right? Because they make citrates. Um, and then they're going to see their stocks go down because Trump says, you know what you should do? You should drink bleach. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, so I, it's, it's interesting, especially I, I get really leery these days about any talk about the markets. Because the markets are just, they never have been an indicator of the economy. No. It's not liter- literally, it's speculation. And, 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 and now more than ever, they're not. You know, yeah. to, to look at the unemployment rate that we are now at and to see that the market hasn't crashed indicates that these things are entirely separate. That that means that stockholders are still expecting to make profit even with nearly what twenty percent unemployment, just about yeah. I think we're I mean, that's, at that's yeah. that's beyond broken, right? right? There's no way you can look at the S and P. There's no way you can look at the Dow and go, well, this is reflective of the economy. It, it it's demonstrably not now. I mean, it's literally one in five people is out of a job, but the market's doing great, right? Okay, then you know what? That ain't the economy, stupid. Uh, yeah, I think that's I mean, where we all uh, put our money in to figure out some sort of retirement plan. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like one of the the weird blessings in disguise with with Jen no longer at Nike is that they basically transferred all of her four hundred one k into cash holdings. Oh, and we're just letting it sit there now. She's like, I'm not putting this in shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just leaving it alone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know we're waiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um, that makes sense. Yeah, but we were talking about the old guard. Uh, <laughs> what, what are, uh, yeah, we'll shift back. One of the things I want to ask you because now you've—I don't know if it's, I love how it's just I'll impossible. Just it. I'll just do it. It, it's impossible for me to talk about anything and not be like the world needs to burn. <laughs> um, I have to ask real quick: Is this what it's like on your other podcast, Greg? Is this what it's like? Am I ever? I've been doing this weekly with uh, with Mimi Chan, who does the culture a culture chat podcast, and she and I have uh, these lovely conversations, and they range all over the place. And invariably, ten to fifteen minutes is about um, again needing to set fire to you know <laughs> uh, a large group of individuals, most of them congregated in the same location. In everything, bur- everything burns, baby. Yeah. Everything burns. Yeah, it just takes enough. We should just drop her a line and do a big old crossover show. I, I adore her. I think clearly you guys would love her. Was so. she the was she the stunt model for Mulan? She is in fact the physical model for Mulan. For oh, the wow. animated or the live action? The animated. She did. It's awesome. She, she 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 made the Mulan Mulan. That movie makes me cry every time I watch it. Mulan yeah. and Moana, those two. Yeah. Bust me up every time. <laughs> um, well, okay. So about the old guard again. Yeah, that thing. So I've been curious. So now you've... You know, that old thing. Yeah. Right. Ah, that old thing. Yeah. Ah. 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 I'll be here till Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so now that you've done something... If you're lucky. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll be pickled by Tuesday. Yeah, um, that's right. 
Go so on. depend. So you now you've had something through, you know, ABC and Netflix. <laughs> um, is it a different system? Is it? A, do they operate differently, or is the studio system the studio system? Oh, it's so they're 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 so apples and oranges because my um my participation in Stumptown in the first season uh was minimal and dropped to nil. Um, and with the old guard, I wrote the damn screenplay. Um, so I was, I was part of the old guard process for, for quite a while. I mean, I, I wrote the original draft. I did the second draft. I did the draft with the director. Mm -hmm. Um, I got fired. They brought in another writer. He got fired. They brought in another writer. I was asked to do more work. The la the third writer was let go and then they rehired me and I was on set for about a month, you know, continuing to work on it. So it's it it was it's just an entirely different relationship with the final product. So on Stumptown, you know, I, I would give occasional notes on, you know, maybe the first four or five episodes. But the show was dealing with a lot of things at that time, and it was pretty clear that I was talking into a vacuum. People were not responding. Right. And so I got to a point where I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to, you know, uh, clearly I'm not adding anything. Um, and they did things in the first season that I really didn't like, frankly. I'll be brutally frank. Is that stuff you can talk about, or you just better to better to keep quiet? Uh, if you if you've seen it, I just think that there were certain choices they made that were really. I'll tell you what it was, and 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 I know they're correcting this for the second season. Um, I think that especially the back after the first season. Here's here's a perfect example of a problem, in my opinion. Sue Lin was only behind a desk in the pilot. You never again saw her behind a desk. So she went from being this powerful, you know, indigenous businesswoman, and they turned her rather lazily into wise Indian. Right. To such an extent that in the season ending episode, she's out on her ranch brushing her horse and you know, she and sort it, of shows up like just always at the perfect moment to give that sage yeah, advice it yeah. was it, and 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 that's not the character and it's unfair and it's cliche and, and i'll give you another one i think and 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 that's indicative to me the show began in the pilot has such a great presentation and treatment of women and by the end of the first season it, it i there's there's a misogyny that's running through the show that came out of the writer's room um, and it's problematic and it's really problematic. You can't do a show about decks and this, and nowhere is it evidence more than this. They had a bunch of writers who said, Oh, she's, she's bi or maybe Pam. So that means she'll fuck anybody. So that meant that she didn't have a meaningful friendship with any women or any men. Right. Right. There wasn't a single woman throughout the season that she had a positive relationship with. Not a single woman who was a friend. And no guy who was a friend. 
right? Every guy was either, you know, I was a partner sexually, right? Even if they dressed it up as a friendship. Right. You know, and with, and with the women, every woman was either an adversary, right? Or an enemy. Um, and that's not what they promised me it would be. Right. That's not what the pilot promised. And that's because, like I said, they had trouble in that first season. And you, if, if, if you are savvy to how television is, is I, if you're savvy to how production works and you actually watch the season, you can see where tonally different voices start to emerge in the show and they force other voices back. Where other like notes are coming down of like, yeah, this. So, you know, and this isn't to say it's a bad show. I don't think it is. Um, You can, you can make something terrific and still be able to criticize the snot out of it. Um, Hi. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, and, and I also don't think I'm telling them it's anything they don't know. The question is um, going into a second season, if they get a second season, how they're going to go about correcting it. Now, I think everything that I am privy to right now, and there have been conversations, is that should the second season come through, this will be addressed. And you will see this addressed. Right. But it's, you know, uh, one of the things I really do, this isn't me blowing the show's horn, I think they got away with a hell of a lot because they have one of the best casts on television. That cast is Just as an ensemble, the cast is outstanding. And so you can get away with some, frankly, really lazy writing. There was some really lazy writing in in that season. Um, uh, You know, uh, the the whole idea, I I, I won't even go into it. This is a whole... That, that, that there were things where it was literally like, you cannot fucking be bothered to Google, like literally take five minutes in the writer's room and Google divisions of military intelligence. You know, nobody who has been in the service says, I know a guy in military intelligence. They don't say that. They uh, say, I know a guy at D- DIA, right? I, we've got uh, a really good friend who was in military intelligence for a long time. And she's been watching the show on Hulu and she texted me and she said, that's not. I thought you yeah. said that that Greg yeah. researched military stuff. I'm I like, didn't do not, that. I, no, that's why I wait. I hold on. I wrote oh it. I said God, he's not it. writing the script, and she went, "Oh, okay." Then, yeah, I, okay. I, I went flipping postal. There's a whole three episode arc about he's in military intelligence. It's like that's like saying he's in Portland. <laughs> it's literally what pick. Just take three fucking letters, grab them together. You'll get it right. You know, <laughs> there's probably it's, it's, one of them. Exactly. It's just, but the thing is, all it takes, literally all it takes was, and you can't tell me that they didn't have a wireless connection in the writer's room. All somebody had to do was type, you know, military intelligence into Google. They would have gotten a Wikipedia entry, <laughs> right? And then if they had been really clever, they would have said army intelligence. What does army intelligence break into? What does that look like? Right? But no service. It's like, it's literally, you you talk to Bean and you say, what what was your spec? Bean's gut response isn't to say, I was a cook. She gives you the letter number designation. That That was how you answered me the first time. 
when I was it really? Yes, mm-hmm. it was. At this point, I, I feel like I'm used to actually just generalizing it for civilian anybody, exactly. everybody. But three, four years ago, when I asked you, you, you gave me whatever the number designation was, and I said I don't know. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I was cut. Maybe your grin, you know. And I was like, okay, it's just it doesn't. It doesn't take much to get it right. No, that's true. Um, it doesn't. But, but but these guys couldn't be arsed to do that, and I get livid about it. You know, it, it's just it took me less than ten seconds to look up DIA. Yeah, that's that, exactly. <laughs> so. So do you think you will be asked to ever kind of participate in the writer's room at all? Or is it like, we've heard this rant far too many times. We're never letting him in that door. So the way television shows uh, work, in my experience, limited though it is, is that you have, uh, the reason why there are so many producers in the credits is that those are all writers of varying power. Right. And position and also writing showrunners. Right. So the showrunner who is in theory a writer is going to be the producer who is running literally the show and in theory running the room. And then you're going to have other people coming in to assist with running the room or with the day-to-day operations of the show and so on. And those are different skill sets. And there are very few people in Hollywood who, um, who actually can do all of it. It's a very challenging job, right? So there are also non-writing producers. I have spoken with a lot of the people responsible for the show at this point. And if they tip over into season two, um, that writer's room is going to look very different and it's going to be far more reflective of what is supposed to be on screen. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is really problematic. You know, and there was stuff I told them when they were in development on the pilot. I was like, you have to bring CK in. You need to have CK in the show early because she's got to be there as the person who's the foil for Dax and who is her fear, if not fear, is her peer and her friend, right? Um, And yeah, she's nowhere to be found in the season and and you can tell it doesn't work as a result. Um, I mean, because don't get me wrong, the show's fun to watch, but it's that cast just kills it. Right, but this is the thing. Think about how many things you, I mean... First season DS9 is like pulling goddamn teeth. Oh, yeah. Snooze fest. Right? First season Next Generation, right? We can go down the line and go, (laughs) there are so many shows that we actually have come to love. Right. And and you watch that first season and you're like, wow, I really, there was, I had a lot of faith that they were going to find their way. There really were only four channels back then. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. But the thing is, they do find their way through. Yeah. Right. And and in a lot of ways, that first season is your learning season. It's where you go. It's it's very rare you get the. It's very rare that shows are that you remember a show and go. You know, it was the best season of fill in the blank. Their first season. <laughs> you know, like most shows, you're like, you know, it was season two, season three was when it got amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. 
It's normally oh, yeah. about that two, three, four mark. But season one is them going like, we don't know what we've got here. So it takes a while for the writers to get comfortable, for the performers to to really feel their character yeah. and stuff. For every, so. And for everybody to find what they're really, what the story's really about. Right. Uh-huh. What's funny is we never realize, uh, as, as, uh, generally speaking, we don't always realize uh, how not good a first season is until it's in retrospect. Because yeah. because it's it's the first it's its first time for you and them. And we're so excited to have it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're legitimately delighted to have this thing now, and we want to, you know, and 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 that's the other thing because one of the things we're great at as fans is we're incredibly forgiving. We don't tend to walk into things wanting to dislike them. No. Right? And if they're presenting to some to us uh, on, it, yeah, you see the promise. And if they're presenting us a, a fandom that we are in any way invested in, boy, we, we will will it to succeed. Right, we will as a sheer act of willpower. We'll sit there and we will argue. No, this really wasn't bad. It's <laughs> it's, it's really that first season of Next Gen isn't. No, it's fine. We all we all <laughs> like watched Code of Honor and went like, I mean, I, yeah, it's a misstep. Yeah. It's, it's still yeah. Star Trek. What's the? I mean, what's that damn DS Nine season one episode? Is that the 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 one with the the game? Move yeah, Alamorain, Alamorain. They have to hop around. Yeah, yeah. That's, move that's along season. home. Move along home is move the name. Along. I think it's season two. Move yeah. along. No, no, it's season it's one. Season one. It's, it's season, season one four. because because they <laughs> never ever they, because that as as the story goes was was the one that Avery was like anybody ever makes me do that again they're dead. I mean, that was literally apparently the episode that broke the camel's back. It was like, this is a piece of shit next-gen episode that you have foisted off on us. <laughs> um, I just saw an, inter- an older interview of him a few years ago. It might have been at Rose City. And someone asked him, they said, what, is your, what was your best and like worst moments you know, working on DS9? And when he said best, like he mentioned you know, working with you know, Keurig Lofton and you know, great writers and getting to tell a tale. And he said, as for the worst, he's like, you know, he's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to. And he gets real quiet and does that Avery Brooks thing. He puts his mouth like right up to the mic. And he just goes, Alamarine, Alamarine. He just starts <laughs> to sing the song. He can hear the groan. <laughs> and then he points that finger and says, that's the one. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Episode nine. It was episode yeah. nine. Yeah. Alamarine. Oh. Alamarine. Yeah. Then three more. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it was just but like i, I say you 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 gotta you gotta uh you, you've got to explore you've got to take maybe maybe it's this i used to say and i'm not sure how much i believe this mediocrity is always going to be mediocre right mediocrity is going to stay in the visible band right it mm-hmm. might be high mediocrity and it might be low mediocrity but it's going to be condemned to mediocrity and if you want to touch something great, you have to be able to be truly awful. You know, you cannot achieve the... Before we continue on with our conversation, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors. First up is uh, Bridge City Comics. If uh, some of the stuff that uh, Greg is talking about, or we've been talking about, sounds like a fun book for you to read, or maybe you're curious to 
read your copy of The Old Guard before the uh, Netflix movie drops, this is a perfect chance to do so. And you can do that at Bridge City Comics. Um, right now, you know, nobody's open though right now, but uh, Bridge City Comics is still doing mail order and curbside pickup. So just go to bridgecitycomics.com and check out their uh, their online order form. Uh, place your order for, let's say, you know, the first trade of The Old Guard. And you'll get an email confirmation back and you can schedule a time to have contact free or as limited contact as possible curbside pickup. Uh, you can also have it shipped to your to your house so you can even so you can have even even less contact if you want. Um, but yeah, everyone's having to adapt these days and Bridge City Comics is helping you do that, helping you pass the time with some fun comics to read and give you a little bit of escape. So please check them out. BridgeCityComics.com and hey, while you're on the internet, <laughs> uh, why don't you give a pop on over to ggportland.com. Check out Guardian Games, our longtime sponsor. They are also still doing um, contact-free or little contact uh, uh, game purchases for you. So just go on to uh, the Guardian Games website and drop them an email. See if they have that card game or dice game or board game or RPG or even mini painting supplies, you know, whatever you're looking for. If Guardian Games usually carries it, there's a good chance they still have it. Uh, and if they have it, they will contact you back and they will, if you still want it, they'll contact you, give them your credit card information over the phone, and then they will give you a time where you can swing by and pick it up. They keep everything as clean as possible. I know they uh, wear gloves when they grab the, the items and they hand them off, so everyone stays as safe as possible during these uh, these tricky and uh, often uh, lonely times. Uh, gaming can help bring you together. So uh, check out Guardian Games. And if you can, you know, maybe in that email, say, hey, thanks for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio still. That'd be really nice. And then, uh, as always, remember, a uh, huge shout-out to Rev Nats for hooking us up with some tech so that the show sounds crisper than ever, as crisp as one of his fine ciders. Mm. That's a good segue. Anyway, big thanks to Revnat. Uh, check them out, Revnat. Just go, just Google Revnat's online. The shop will just pop up right there. I don't think I'm allowed to say that for OLCC stuff. Like I can't flat out say. It's a weird rule. Anyway, like they listen to this show, uh, <laughs> which we're gonna get back to right now. <laughs> oh come on, Bean! <laughs> Did they use ballpoint pens for this. Yeah, they what? did not uh, not use ballpoint pens. Yeah. <laughs> not, not. Wow! Um, I had to look because I never saw this episode, and now I I can't decide if I must. No, well, this like is I, my, may, I may not want to, but I must. Know, my, my advice for you is get really drunk. Well, here's a Greg. Here's the thing. We've actually talked about because it's been so long since Trekucation existed. Hmm. We've talked about doing the top five worst episodes of Star Trek as like a special Patreon only drunk commentary. Oh my mm-hmm. god! So like it would be that from DS Nine. Yeah. It would be Code of Honor from TNG. Mm. Actually, that's almost too offensive to watch. Yeah, I I think the, you said the worst. You said well, the one from TNG is um, Sub Rosa. Sub Rosa, baby. Sub Rosa. Yep. The, the Scottish planet with the, mm-hmm. the with space the, cuts. With the yeah, the Scottish planet with the uh, the ghost of the uh, the Crusher family, mm-hmm. where, where Doctor Crusher reads her grandma's erotic journal adventures. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's it's still gonna have to wait because I finally have a new segment coming up. Oh yes, what's this one? We got two more days until uh, Airbender. 
Oh. Avatar. Avatar. Oh, that's right. That's you streaming. and I both, right? Uh, yeah, if you want to. Yeah. So what I decided is I, I was going to watch one season every week and then talk about it the following Wednesday. So since it's the it comes out on the fifteenth, which is just two more days from now, I All would right. uh, I'd watch I'd watch the first season, then we can talk about it next week, barring any guests. Yeah, I've never seen it. Everyone has told me that Avatar: The Last Airbender was an amazing series. I know, I know, I totally missed it, uh, missed out when it was actually on. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's good. Yeah. Perhaps you can persuade me that that's true. Have you watched it? Do not it? like it. I've watched enough of it that I'm like, yeah, I've already thought about and seen all of this. This is boring. Uh, but you've uh, because it's an anime. No, because of the themes of the show. Oh, gotcha. Mm. They, well, you're better at reading into those than I am, so I'm sure that I'll be <laughs> uh, ignorantly pleased. Largely, whenever I immediately will get bored with or go, eh. It's not that great on things that people will go, but this is the best thing ever. And it's perfectly right up your alley. I'm like, yeah, I know it is. Cause it's something that I made up in my head when I was 12. <laughs> I, I've already been there, done that. I'm moved on. So. No, Kim, we do not mean the cinematic masterpiece. No, no, not the, well, not that live action well, one. There is, there is no such thing as a cinematic masterpiece. So that's, that's, true. Why, yeah. that's why I said it in my yeah. uh, sarcastic voice. Yeah. Um, mm. It sounds like, just like your regular voice. I I I liked I liked Avatar. I watched it with the kids. I remember being fairly disappointed with the finale, with the with with the way the series ended. Oh, okay. But I thought the 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 journey of it was entertaining and 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 well done. And I actually. Uh, I think there's a far more uh, there, there's a much longer conversation to have with Cable about uh, the issue of I have already thought about this thing, so therefore this is not worth my time. <laughs> it's like, well, then I'm fucked, dude, because I'm never going to put a story in front of you you haven't someday thought about in some <laughs> way considered. You know, so far you're ahead so, of the curve, man. It, like, well, then you're generous. Because, <laughs> I, so much of it, you know, it 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 it's the F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, apocryphal quote of there only being two stories: Cinderella and Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> and everything else, right. everything else is just how you dress it up and execute it. it wow, I've becomes, never heard that. But but if you think about it, it, it's true, right? I mean, it's either it's either quest to kill the giant, mm -hmm. right? To, to, to end the evil that is plaguing the land, to, to come to yourself, right, the journey, or it's the romance, you know, of overcoming hardship to find true love. Right. Uh, right. That's and I guess I guess that's true to a degree well, at least because it, it, I just I just watched it's that, an uh, oversimplification. that film. Hmm. Which uh, film? Gatsby. Oh. You know the the the, the cinema graphic. Uh, of the novel mm -hmm. uh man i forgot a lot about that book but uh the the biggest I'm not thing sure, I i'm not sure you remembered it by seeing the movie but go on uh, <laughs> well well the one thing that i i definitely forgot uh is like how much i don't see why it's so well liked mm -hmm. gatsby is a terrible character mm -hmm. and yes. nick is uh extremely short-sighted in his opinions of the people around him Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I, maybe get, maybe that is the point. But I'm like, why does why was this essential reading in high school? This is bad. I hate everyone. Well, aside from the fact that it's beautifully written, um, and maybe it's the movie, but I felt well, like this it is was pretentious. Of, yeah, it absolutely is overwrought. <laughs> Um, and people misread it as a love story, but now imagine it as a piece of work, you know, of the 20s before the Depression, and now think about the economic moment we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the most telling... Um, I love this about the novel, is that Fitzgerald takes a whole chapter just so he can, and it's like the third chapter or even the second chapter of the book. So he can tell you, the line at the end of it is, um, everybody has what I think, like, I think it's, I've long believed everybody is possessed of a fatal flaw, and this is mine. I am the most honest person I have ever known. And... Narratively, what Fitzgerald is doing is, is he's saying everything Nick is telling you in this narrative, he is not lying about, right? This is, this is, he is, he is offering you his report. Sure. But what the story is in large part is Nick finally seeing the truth of this whole situation and of this world that he is not a part of and he has wanted to be a part of. And then at the end of it is like, you people are all fucking disgusting. So, you know, we, we, we do tend to, and this is the thing with all literature, you know, read Lovecraft now and you're like, man, racist shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my you God. You know what I mean? But, but. He created a great, like imaginative world, but what a piece of shit. Well, he, he, he opened the door to a, to a, or he articulated a take on horror mm-hmm. that really is kind of so 20th century. Yeah. If you think about it. I mean, it is so nuclear age. Mm-hmm. So, aren't they nice? You like my, like, I have oh, my own. There's another Greg in the window. No, no. These, I, oh, I like, know you're, yeah. I'm, oh. <laughs> Yours are great. Because they disappear, see? When oh, I yeah. Have the blue screen. But, yeah. I got the background looking. of the Atanta 4, you could just be a little Leia there. <laughs> I got to, uh, I got to stop looking at the chat. So, um, <laughs> No, I, I just, all of it, 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 rolling it all the way back to the Avatar thing, is it comes down to execution. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to moment. So much of it comes down to execution and moment. And we have, you know, we, I, I reread old stuff. Uh, I, I've been rereading some of my old stuff this week for absolutely non-narcissistic reasons, believe it or not. And... Some of it's, you know, this stuff is 15 years old. And it's like, well, this worked then. I'm not sure it works now. You know, a large part of, you know, I mean, look at the Batwoman origin. Right? And in theory, that story should not work at all now. What do you mean? Well, it's not an issue in theory to be gay in the military, Mm. right? And ideally in another 15 years, that origin makes no sense. Sure. 
right? That it, that, that it, it's somebody who is 10 now and reads it when they are 25, hopefully is reading it in a world where they're like, oh, that would have been a stupid fucking reason to quit West Point. But right. do you think I could give them an appreciation of, of of history and people who came before? Right. If that's of this, but but again, it puts it in the historical moment. You have to read it in that moment. Right. I right. I would that's, disagree though, because even though like the specific example of <laughs> in the military, this isn't allowed. Even if that is like going the way of the buffalo, there are still plenty of people who can relate to the concept of their their self their sense of self not being permitted wherever it is that they live, whether it's because they come from a more conservative, you know, region or just their family, even if like as soon as they walk outside of their home, Mm -hmm. they are accepted. If they're not at home, that's, that's a struggle. And it's, it, there is still a relatability there to that character today. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And, and I certainly think that that read is there, but by the same token, it, let's put it this way, it's going to date it in the same way that um, any story that has somebody breaking into somebody else's apartment and playing back the message on the answering machine <laughs> now dating the story, mm-hmm. right? Or a story where uh, the bad guy has a laptop, but the good guy didn't take it when right. he had the chance or the, or, right? or the horror monster can't cut the phone line anymore. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, we, we, it, it, the moment inflects the creation. And there are some beautiful books that will stand up and, 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 you know, and let them endure. But, you know, we, we have to, we have to be aware of what we're reading. You know, uh, the, the comment about like Tom Sawyer and Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking about two books that I love and Mockingbird in particular, I love, but when a Harper Lee passed, you know, I was, I, I actually OPB called and, and, and asked me to speak about it. And as much as I love that book, and I do love that book, and as much as I love that novel, and I do love, I mean, the movie, and and I do love the movie, Mm -hmm. it is ultimately the story of a noble white guy, you know, saving them darkies. Right. Um, Now... I think you can make an argument that that is not the the subtextual intent of the work, but we now live in a world where that is a trope and a problematic trope. Right. And Lee may have presented unintentionally, perhaps, the foundational document that created that trope. Someone has the to start white savior. The yeah, yeah, and and you can't really read that book as as a glorification of it. I mean, it's not the the book isn't written in in that fashion. But but when you come away from the movement of the plot, that's what it is. 
Um, you know, Huckleberry Finn is probably one of my all-time favorite novels. And talk about problematic language. But language of the period. Right. Language of the time. Mm-hmm. And I and there is a very good argument to be made that it needs to be preserved because it is that. Mm-hmm. It is an accurate depiction of the language of the time and should be seen as, you know, both both for its literary merit, but also the historical perspective of saying we don't, there's a reason these were these these this was the language of oppression and of abuse there's a reason why it's not tolerated anymore um yeah and that's a that's a, a fine not a fine that's a well, hard... i just brought the i brought the whole <laughs> no, zoom, it actually i well, brought the whole zoom down no i was saying it had me think it but bean go ahead and say your it's, that can get so hard and i you know sometimes i wish I wish it was a little bit more clear to see how do you herald something for its historical reference while uh, not necessarily vilifying, but, you know, like making clear the, the flaws in it that are no longer culturally acceptable. Like how do you draw that line as a teachable well, I mean, I th- concept. But I, I think you do it precisely the way you, 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 you're talking about it. You, we, you engage it. You know, you don't ignore it. You've got to engage it. You have to, um, you have to, you know what it is, Bean? It, it, it's, it's all your faves are problematic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really what it is. It, it, it's all your faves are problematic. You have to be able to say, this work has merit for all of the problematic issues with it. And it is incumbent upon us to, you know, we're human beings. We Sometimes because of those problematic issues. Exactly. And, and our ability to hold the paradoxical state is yes. unique to who we are. Right. It doesn't, we don't have to, we, because the end result of not doing that is cancel culture. Right, and we don't, and we don't, might, and we don't move forward. I feel with that. good at the time, but you don't actually but, accomplish but it, anything. Nobody but it learns doesn't. necessarily. It actually, but it doesn't. I mean, this is the thing. Nobody thinks this all the way through, right? Because we have now reached a point. Mm. We, I mean, we have literally now reached a point where we have said you can never learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, that is culturally, societally, we are saying no, no, no. You fucked up. You're out. You're out. You better be perfect from day one. Exactly. You cannot apologize. You cannot, you cannot educate. You cannot grow. I don't care if you're trying to make right with your right. past. And, and there, there are a variety of reasons that you can move off to the side and say, and this is because a lot of the times the apologies are not apology, are, are not apology apologies. Right. I'm or, sorry that you feel that way. Exactly. That, that the penitence is false, Right. We, we can, we, we can, all of those things are true in specific cases, but in the general, what we are saying is you, I do not believe you can get better. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a white middle-class guy and the metric, I mean, this, the, the, the tonnage of things I do not know about 
the experiences of other white middle-class guys, let alone of African-American guys, let alone of African-American women, and the list goes on and on, right? You, you can't, there isn't a truck big enough to haul it. So in all of, you know, my efforts to be fair and be respectful and to acknowledge what I do not know, and I try to be very diligent in it, I've also been very fortunate that I have rarely stepped so wrong people have wanted to kill me, right? Or those times when I have gotten death threats, it's over things that I'm perfectly happy to get a death threat over, right? <laughs> um, but honestly, just speaking as a creator, you know, I, I'm... Uh, here's I'll give you a great example, all right? Great example. And, and it ties back to the old guard. If you've read the comic, when Nikki goes into battle, on his body armor, he is wearing a Crusader's cross. He has painted a Crusader's cross on it. And this was done as a visual shorthand in the comic to say, this one's Nikki. You can tell it's Nikki because he's wearing the cross, right? And when they did the costume tests, and I'm pulling up the comic. There we go. Yeah, see, so look, and you know, you can you can see the cross, right? Uh huh. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they did the costume tests. And this was the this was the moment when the whole guard thing got surreal for me, right? Is that there is the there is this shot that Leo did, right? He did this shot, and it's of all of them in like you know with their armor and so on. I got a photograph of all the actors in costume in this pose, and that was the moment I was like. Oh, oh, they, oh, they're making a movie. Now, Luca Marinelli, <laughs> who is something of a heartthrob in Italy and is playing Nikki, actually asked Gina, the director, why is he wearing the cross? And Gina reached out to me. I got an email. This was in the period where I wasn't on the movie. She says, Luca had a question about why Nikki is wearing the Crusader's cross. And so I started typing this email back to her, and I literally was, as I was typing it, was going, well, this is why he's wearing it, and so on and so forth, and this is why we had him painted on it, because it's a visual shorthand, and literally as I'm typing this, I just realized that that's going to be incredibly offensive to a good portion of our Muslim audience. Yes. Oh. Mm -hmm. To say nothing of other groups that have claimed that bright red Crusader's right. cross. Yep. And... At which point I said, and if that is Lucas' concern, I am absolutely with him, and there is no reason it needs to be there. Nikki doesn't wear a Crusader's cross in the movie. Okay? Now, that offense still exists in the comic. Right? And it is offensive. If I can recognize it as potentially offensive in the movie, then I know it's got to be offensive in the comic. Um, nobody came after me for it, for which I am grateful. Do you think that's the nature of the 
spread of comics versus the spread of a visual medium like like Netflix? I absolutely think it's because people who saw it either did not see it as offensive or did not think it was worth their time to inform me of it or tried to inform me of, of it on Twitter, but since I'm not there anymore, uh, I missed it or whatnot. But the point is, right, what I'm getting at is that that's a teachable moment for me. And luckily, I got there myself. Uh-huh. But somebody should have been able to teach me in good faith and accept that I wanted the lesson in good faith. When it is just as likely as somebody would have said, fuck Greg Rucka and everything he writes, I'm never buying or reading anything by him again because he's an Islamophobe, right? Um, we, we are now living in a place where we go one or the other. It's not like, dude, you screwed up. It's like, yeah, and I'll own it, and I'll try to make it right. Um, I have been very, very fortunate because one of the things I learned very early in my writing career was do the goddamn research. And that doesn't mean learn how to play a guitar. It means do the research into what it would be like to be a closeted lesbian in a rock band with an alcohol dependency. Do the reading, think about it, dig it up, learn how to be honest in how you retell it. But dude, you know, I'm going to get shit wrong. And so, yeah, I, I just, we, so, so, so if, if we're going to say, for instance, Lovecraft has no value because he's a racist pig. Okay. I mean, he is. Yeah. He's a racist and sexist, sick, sad little man. Yet Joyce Carol Oates maintains he's one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. Joyce Carol Oates does. Now, to imply that Joyce Carol Oates does not also see how problematic his work is, is unfair to Joyce Carol Oates. So how do you thread that needle? You have to be able to carry the paradox. You have, well, to like be able his, to, you have to be able to extract the good from it. His, it's like his primary biographer, S.T. Yoshi, is an African-American man. And yeah. every time you see him in a meeting some, or at a, con, at a convention, someone asks him, like, how can you be the biographer of this guy? He would have hated you. He would have been not hated. He'd have been terrified of you. Yeah. And he's like, I can acknowledge that, but also respect that he created a whole genre that didn't exist before. Yeah. And has inspired the genre, not his horrible outlooks. Well, it, it, it's inspired a genre and, and a way of looking at horror. It hasn't carried forward an ideology. Right. No. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I mean, look, Twain was a notorious humanist and then, you know, grew more and more bitter and bitter and bitter. You know, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is sort of a definitive statement about how human beings are just horrible and they will always be horrible. And his his final letters are brutal. Yeah. Because they're heartbreaking. Yeah. He has lost all faith. Um, 
but you read, for instance, Huckleberry Finn, I think, far more than Tom Sawyer, because Sawyer is I'm less, uh, I, I, I'm less versed in it, but I'm less versed in it because I find it, frankly, more, more boring. There's not a lot. That, it is far more a, bo- a story about a boy's adventure than it is a story about the world. And Huck is Huck is him writing commentary mm-hmm. in a much more overt way. And even the ending of Huck is, what have we learned? Not much. We're back where we started, right? So I I, I don't know I. I And, and we get into a whole other place now when we're talking about writers in this moment. You know, there are certain writers in this moment where there is nothing to extract from their work. It is simply, <laughs> it is exactly what it appears to be, right? Um, and they're not even doing a good job of, uh, of concealing it behind art. Mm-hmm. Um, American Dirt comes to mind. Yeah, that popped in my head too. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, that um, book makes me so mad. Oh, that book. Yeah. <laughs> has anyone, has anyone read it? I have not. Cause I heard I it's, eight, it's like, because I heard it's real bad. I, part, uh, I acquired a PDF so for bad. review reasons and it is bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'll say. That do not give it air. No, we do not moving want it to on, Moving on, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I, <clears throat> I was uh, wondering when you mentioned that you've been going back and reviewing some of your old work for not narcissistic reasons. Is there, if you could reboot any of your work, is there one you would do it, or would you just try to acknowledge what you wrote before? Or is there one you could think of, like, you know what, if I get another shot at that, I would do it this way. Before he answers, I feel like Aaron is giving you a loaded question, Greg. <laughs> oh, I didn't think. Is he? I don't know. He, he, he doesn't have prior knowledge. No, but. I wasn't. No, uh uh-uh. uh. No, I really don't. That's a. Because I. There is my, no fix here, Cable. It's okay. No, my, my limited. What my limited <laughs> library of what I've made, I've had people ask, are there things you would redo differently? And the, mm-hmm. the answer is always yes. But so I was just curious. No, I have no inside knowledge on this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Kim Kim should know that I actually have notes for a new Kodiak novel, but I yeah. um I don't know if I'm gonna ever have the wherewithal to write it. But I've got research and and even a narrative structure for it and th- so on, and it would be ten years after the last novel, so kind of would get old man Kodiak. Um that's really hard, Aaron. Um that's that's genuinely hard. Um, I am so far out of so many loops. I, I, I think... You know, man, that's really hard. I would like to... Look, uh, one day it would be great to do some, you know, more Batwoman and sort of fix what I think were some pretty horrible missteps. I was going to say fix, but not, um, you know, um, 
there's always more Diana I want to write. I'll tell you, I think, yeah, you know what? I would go back and I would redo. Mm. I would redo this, the, the, the action comics run. I would redo the second bite on Superman. Is that the one you did with uh, Matthew? Mm-hmm. That's that the one that started with Matthew, and then it's the one that went into the world of Krypton thing with Robinson. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the last thing I was doing at DC before I finally quit there. And it was a year and a half of me slowly dying um, because they were treating me worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And worse. And I kept taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it. And it ultimately led to me leaving in March of 2009 and four years of horrible, horrible depression, you know, and, and, you know, uh, at one point genuinely contemplating suicide. Um, So that that run begins in a place that's very positive, but it declines and degrades so that really by the end of it, and, and, and shit at the end of it was changing. Like there had been plans that Eric and I had for where we were going with the run with, with um, Flamebird and Nightwing. And then editorial came in and just kept kicking over the apple cart again and again and again. And it really it got to the point where it's like, I'm done. I can't. Right. I don't care. It was so painful. Um, I mean, I can only imagine because that character is so near and dear to so many comic creators' hearts because Superman is like, you know, the template, the inspiration. Uh Yeah, who doesn't? I remember years and years ago, but I think right before New 52 broke, um, at the time, like Jeff Lemire kind of made his bones doing weird, not weird, but very artsy, non-mainstream comics. And then he lands Superboy. And I remember a lot of comic sites were like, what's Jeff Lemire doing in Superboy? And his answer was, because it's closer to Superman. Yeah, I write these comics, but I read Superman. Yeah. He's why I love comics. Why would I turn this down? Why yeah. would I say no? Yeah. You know? Look, you know, Fraction talks about writing, you know, Jimmy Olsen. And anytime, you know, Superman's going to be on the page, he sits up straighter when you're typing. Right. You, and, and it's true when you, you know, and Bendis has talked about the fact that you, you, when, when you're writing Superman, it changes how you move through the world. You, you look at things differently because you cannot, you have to, you have to bring that optimism. That's why and, I never understand when someone says Superman's not relevant. Superman well, can't be made into a movie now. I don't. Yeah, I don't and get this it. is and this is well. Look, well, you've that, heard me. It's a you've whole heard, other show, but yeah, you've heard me say this before, which is anybody, the, anybody who says oh, I don't get to nobody that nobody that powerful would be that good. It's like it's not a problem with the character, dude. That's a problem with you. Yeah, <laughs> that is your problem. That's not his. Mm-hmm. If you if 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 you if the thing that isn't hanging you up is flight, right? Or bulletproof or heat vision. <laughs> or laser eyes. Exactly. Uh-huh. The thing that's kicking you out of the story is that he's too good. That's That was the bridge too far in this fiction? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry mommy didn't love you. Or, you know, I'm sorry daddy hit you with the belt. I, I don't know what to tell you. Right. It is 
It is quite literally your problem. If you cannot pick up a comic book about a superhero and go, I can't believe in this guy. It's like, well, you know, there, there are plenty of murder documentaries for you to watch. Knock yourself out. That's right. There's an entire podcast genre if you want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of just like a few days ago, I popped in the, the, the Blu-ray, the Donner cut of Superman, the movie again. And that's, it just kills me every time. That scene when Chris Reeves is kind of hunched over with the glasses and yeah. then he takes them off and stands up. That 20 seconds might be some of the greatest acting you will ever see. Yeah. It's just, and, and John Williams' music, yeah. it's just right. And you're like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. everyone who's ever said, I don't get the character, just watch that scene over and over until you freaking right. get it. You watch the original and you, all you have to do is watch the first, the, 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 the Night of Super Deeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which is... Getting a cat out of a tree. Every, well, but it's everything. <laughs> yeah. Starting yeah. with Saving Lois... Right. right. Starting with that. And, not, and it's not just saving Lois. Right. You know, that helicopter comes down. Lot yeah, there's of a lot of people die. Yep. Oh, I'm already getting the chills. I can see it in my right? head. But yeah. You know, going from there to the robbery. Right. The, the cat burglar bit. Right. The standing the, against the wall is one of the best images ever. <laughs> the bit with and then the, you know, when he when he lands. Right. And he's like, Officer Mooney. Is it? I mean, like, literally, <laughs> he's gonna get the guy's name, and I watched it. I actually watched it before I started writing the Lois book, and at the end of the movie, and it's and you can't get away with this now, right? Like Zack Snyder would have eaten a gun before he allowed, you know, Henry Cavill to say what Christopher Reeve says at the end of the first movie, which is after dropping Luthor off at the prison, right? And, you know, the warden being like, oh, what does he say? Is it something like, thank you, Superman, or we owe you a huge debt? You're the heroes. And, 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 and Superman says, oh, don't thank me, warden. We're all in it together. Yeah. And then flies off, right? Like I say, Zack Snyder would have eaten the gun. Which breaks Before my heart. He because I Cavill feel like say that. Henry Cavill would, would say that in a heartbeat. Yes, he Cavill would. would have killed to say it. You <laughs> yep. can see it in him. The only reason you see the Justice League movie is because Cavill Superman gets to smile. Mm-hmm. And you, that's and, and, the and that's only scene three, that I love in that movie. That's three movies worth of a guy going, finally, I get to be Superman. Just breaks yep. my heart because that actor adores that character so much. And uh, to have him not get to play him the way he could. And Kevin, you're absolutely right. The best Superman movie since the Donners is Captain America Winter Soldier. It is is without doubt the best Superman movie. Yeah. Uh, Because it is everything that Superman should be. It is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. No other reason. Only willing to fight to protect and save others to such a point that once it's done, he's done. I ain't going to fight you, Buck. He, yeah, he, he'll let Bucky kill him if Bucky is going to yes. kill him. But he's not going to fight him. He will literally die for that principle. So, yeah. I Although am. I can also see Superman like in the elevator surrounded by goons and saying, all right, gentlemen. Okay. Well, it's, are we it's going that to do moment. This? It, it's like, <laughs> but what that is, is... 
we don't have to. I'll, you can all walk. Yeah, you guys, you guys are free to walk away. We don't. We do not have to now have the ass kicking that will follow. Yeah, because you guys know in your heart you're not going to win. But see, it's not even that arrogance, right? No, I, it's, it, true. It, yeah. it's not even the arrogance of you can't take me. And that's the thing. A DC movie would have been you can't take me. But you know, again, DC movies have have you know have Batman saying that his superpower is wealth. Yeah. Um, there are so many people though that look at it that way. As in, as in, I was going to say it is in this country apparently. But it isn't, and we know it isn't. It, it is the source of super villainy, apparently. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Greg's a commie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read Lazarus? You know, um, so. <laughs> I uh, I should go shortly. I have to call my mama. Well, that's all right. We have to wrap up the show here. We can do a quick little, yeah. but uh, yeah, if you got to that, bounce, that's that is cool. exa- That's exactly it. It's I don't want to have to hurt you. I don't. That's I don't want to do this. That's it. Yeah, man. Okay, we'll survive. No, I was. I was, I was responding. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. I mean, that's that's where the good stuff is, man. You know, it's not in the showboating, and that's the other thing that. The, that's why the Marvel movies have so consistently been better. They're never about the characters showboating. They're always about the characters doing what they have to do. And DC movies are always about showing off. Right. It's like, you know what would be cool and gritty? And it's like, yeah, gritty don't make it serious. And nothing is cool when you tell me it is. <laughs> right. Yep. right. You don't tell me your, it's literally me telling all of you guys, hey, you know who's cool? Me. And I'll and, and I'll who instantly just became not cool, right? <laughs> Me. And I'll never and I'll never enjoy the argument that a Batman movie should be gritty. And I know his evolution has changed, but I have always liked the character who hopes that the time comes at one night he doesn't feel like he has to go out. See, uh, well, now we get now. You see, I was gonna. And you to gotta go. go. We got. I'm gonna leave on this and say the beauty of Batman is. He works every night for that, knowing he will never get it. And that's yeah. what makes me a hero. Yeah. Right? That's the pathos in the character. Yeah. So, yeah. We, there's a, we, we should talk again after the movie comes out, and, and then we can spend like 10 minutes on the old guard, and then we can talk about DC superheroes and everything Greg would do to fix them. So, okay. Oh, that's going to be oh. an entire, that'll be a special segment. I'm going to hold you yep. to that. Yeah. I, Ruck and fix the DC universe. Really quickly, Norm wants to know if I ever actually said to Charlize that Andy <laughs> was Slappy Squirrel. Um, <laughs> I didn't need to. That's, that's, um, oh, that's... There is a photo I have that I will never, ever be able to show anybody um, because she will kill me and she is capable of it. Um, uh, we were shooting at this house outside. We were shooting at this Russian oligarch's house called the Jura House. Uh, as you as do. In, as in the Isle of Jura. Yeah, as mm-hmm. you do. And it's about an hour outside of London. It's by this very famous golf course. It's like where they play the British Open or what I know. I don't know golf enough. And it's gorgeous estate. And they were using the location for the interiors of actually a penthouse in the movie. And we were, the, the, the producer, uh, a tremendous guy named Mark Evans, 
and I were trying to get a rewrite done for a scene that had to be shot that day. And it was a scene that had been giving us a lot of trouble. And we had been talking uh, to Charlize about it. And she had, um, and she, she had been giving notes. And so, and we're literally out in this driveway because it's one of these driveways that slopes and goes underneath the house. And it was hot. It was like early July. And I'm, at, I'm standing out there like with my laptop up on the embankment and Mark is sitting there and Charlize is between shots and she has come down and she's in Andy costume. So she's all in black. Right. And, and, and the woman is um, ripped. And uh, I, I finished typing what I'm typing and Mark's reading and I look over and I realize at this moment, I don't have a picture of Charlize from the production anywhere. Right. Like I have selfies and pictures of here's Luca and Marwan and Matthias and I've got pictures of Kiki and all I don't have a picture of Charlize. And I turn with my phone to take this picture of Charlize and Charlize has, now this is a woman who's mid forties, um, is incredibly smart, is a phenomenal actress, but who in this day and age is now primarily known for her body, right? Uh, and who has to spend a lot of time working out and watching what she eats and so on. And she has a bag of Cheetos, little single serving bag of Cheetos. And she is eating Cheetos the way you eat Cheetos when you never, ever get to have Cheetos. <laughs> she is eating them one oh. at a time. No, oh. it's literally one at a time. Oh, and I savor a, each one. And I have a picture of her with the bag and the Cheeto and it's coming up to her mouth, and she has just seen me point the camera at her. And the look is, if this picture ends up in the Daily Mail, you will be eating your testicles for a month. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a look in her eye. It's like, I know you're taking it. Don't you fuck me on this, Rucka. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I adore her and I adore her for reasons that you would not think one would adore somebody. She is difficult. She it does not care if you like her. She is, she knows who she is. She knows what she's worth. She knows how to make a good movie. She's a producer on this film. She was not easy. Um, Remember, uh, George Miller has said that about Mad Max, and then he said, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. It's exactly. I just yeah. read uh, a thing about with, with uh, it included a bunch of the actors and the like production people. Same thing. Yeah, she is. Uh, and, and, and I have incredible respect for her. And incredible respect also for Gina Prince Bythewood, you know, who is our director. She's, you great. know, we have these incredibly strong willed creative women, Kiki, you know, were these driving forces behind the movie. And there was friction because you're not going to make art without it. And I will say this will surprise you maybe when you see it, if you know the comic, the comic's very much a Looney Tunes. You know, as Norm points out, it's the Slappy Squirrel line. And the movie isn't. 
because you can't do certain things in live action when you do it in a comic. In a comic, if Joe's eyeball is hanging out by the optic nerve, it's funny. And when Leo draws that, that's funny. If you do that in a movie, it's not funny. It's gross. It's a little too much, right? It's like maybe, maybe Joe's eye shouldn't be down to here, you know? Um, Unless Bruce Campbell is involved, you can't have a dangling eye be funny. It, 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 is a, it is a tonal choice that the movie did not go to. Let's right. put it that way. <laughs> the movie is, is actually got a melancholy to it that uh, I think is rather beautiful. Um, I think the performances are all great. I mean, they, they were amazing. Um, but yeah, Charlize, I, um, I adore her. And I will tell you that, and, and I'll leave with this. Uh, I think the my, I, I wouldn't say my best, but I think one of the most meaningful things to me when I left the production was the day I was leaving. Um, I knew it was going to be my last day. I was walking around. We had wrapped and I was just saying goodbye to everybody. And I went up to say bye to Charlize and the look on her face when I said, so, you know, I'll see you around and I'm on my way home. And she said, you're leaving. And the, like I said, the look on her face was the most vindicating thing I've ever got. Like, she did not want me to go. And in that moment to have been like, I did work that you approved of, that I did work and I earned your respect, that, you know, that, that we, 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 found, we found our way. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to carry that one forward for a long time. That was a big deal for me. That's uh, really special. That's really good. It is. It's really special, yeah. Yeah. Um, we we talk about movie stars and so on and 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 it is sort of like going oh you know talk about big first world problems it's not easy you know I, it can't be easy to be uh, Charlize Theron um, to there's always mother. a camera on you one way or another she's mm-hmm. a single mother of two kids right you know I mean it, the, it, the list goes on and on and on you know so. Uh, I, I, it's not like anybody should play a violin for her. She's got a heck of a lot of money to to help her make it through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she doesn't have to worry that she's never going to cover the bills or the rent. But yeah, like I said, you you walk away from it going like educational, if nothing else. So, all right, I have talked and talked and talked. I'm going to go. Thank you, it Greg. Has been, it has been great to be back. It is really great to see everybody. Uh, yeah, thanks really for great. coming out. Try to make it at least a monthly thing because I, I think we're going to be at that, this for man. a while. You can uh, you could join us when we talk about the uh, for the final season of Avatar since you have thoughts. <laughs> I'll rewatch. <laughs> All right, uh, we can discuss. But yeah, everybody, stay safe, stay well. Okay, you Little too. Bit. Your best talk to you all your family. Also, I shall. Yes. See you soon. Thanks, Bye. Greg. Bye. Well, we should probably wrap up the show here, but spoilers, if people want to hang out, I'm going to, I'm willing to hang out for a little while, kind of like <laughs> off the show. I'll, hang out for a little bit. I'll unmute. Plus, it gives me a chance to do a bathroom run, <laughs> which I'm Ooh, going to delete yeah. from the podcast. Um, oh, you delete your own bathroom runs, but then you try to embarrass me? No, just this last one here. Okay. Now that we're making it a whole thing, I'm going to leave it in because now it's funny. Yeah. Okay. I've never deleted my bathroom runs. 
But you said you were going to. Meanwhile, every time I say, I try to discreetly say, I'm, I have to go to the bathroom, you try to embarrass me about it as though it's something to be embarrassed about. I meant just it's this conversation here because it was such a flowing conversation. And then the first thing I say is, we're going to take a break because everyone has to pee. Okay. It's, Very it's, well. whatever, it's whatever you say. I'll delete the whole thing. This show is going to be <laughs> nothing but after Greg saying goodbye, but a long boop. Live exclusive. That's right. The secret pee conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've been going for like 90 minutes. I feel like we should wrap it up. Yeah, no, I think we're, I think we're done here. Yeah. Well, oh, with, with, with that being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Rita. I'm still me. <laughs> I haven't said much today. <laughs> That's fine. And uh, we will talk to everybody next week. Watch out for snakes. <laughs> <laughs>